Okay. Okay. Thank you very much, Modupe Okuyami, for joining us. Um, my name is Olamide Amosu. I'm the co-founder and community leader for African Women in Marketing. Um, and I'm being joined by um, our community manager. Um, Uyi, please introduce yourself. Hi, Modupe. Well, my name is Uyi Fashogun, the community manager for African Women in Marketing. Nice to have you here with us. Hi, nice to meet you, as it were. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. You're welcome. Okay. So yes, we're very excited to have you here. Um, I know you personally, I know your journey. However, um, part of the reasons why we invited you to be a part of this podcast is to inspire other women, um, share your story, and also allow us to learn from your journey so far. Also to learn more about how you've transitioned to a product marketing role outside the country, still an African woman in marketing, and we're excited. So I will start with, how, um, please introduce yourself to our audience. Okay, um, my name is Modupe Ogunyemi. I am um, a marketing communications professional, and uh, I've worked in many different industries, many different sectors, ranging from traditional media to, um, e-commerce to banking to core technology wow. um, in the last uh, several years I've, uh, um, I've done a deliberate career pivot to sort of uh, specialize in technology marketing and um, product marketing project management and all of that and that sort of um, that's the point I'm at right now okay. so that's me in a nutshell Okay, that's great. So, how did you start out in marketing? Um, it's a very interesting, um, uh, I, um, what's it called, answer that I have to that because I actually started out in broadcasting. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, um, right after uni, I uh, served with uh, ESPS, Enugu State Broadcasting Service, and um, I got posted to the TV wing where I wasn't really doing much, you know, um, like many other coppers, uh, you know, uh, I was just basically lounging. But the then director of administration, whose name I now completely forgotten, but he was such a very wonderful father figure to me in the organization. He kept telling me that, you know, the reason why he posted me to uh, that unit was because he was hoping they would post me to radio because he feels I would do really well there. So one of the days when you know I had gone to his office to, and he um, uh, on the flip side served in Ibadan, which is where I grew up. So <laughs> we had that sort of you know I was serving in his hometown, he served in my town. So he used to call me Dube Dube Dube, you know, as a play on my name Dube. So one of the days when I had some free time and I had lots of that free time, and I went to his office to you know just you know uh, say hello to him, well done, and all that. So then. Director of Operations Radio, who died a few years ago, uh, Mrs. Martin Opara. Uh, she's a you know she's a veteran broadcaster. She's very well known in the East. She walked into the office and he he goes, oh hey madam, I, I was just telling this young lady about you. Her name is so so and so. She works. She's a copper. She works with so so unit. But I think she would do very well uh, with you guys on the radio wing. I think I think you should take her. 
And uh, she was a no-nonsense woman, no one, you know, no one, and that's probably the reason why I didn't get posted to her because, you know, people feared her. And she said, oh, okay, young lady, go tell the director of programs that you met me and I told him to, and I asked for you, you know, tell him to post you to me. And that's how I started yeah. uh, <laughs> working <laughs> in the radio station. The radio station is still existing, actually. It's called Sunrise FM, Sunrise 96.1. Yes, I know Sunrise. I know Sunrise. Oh, you do? Yes, yes. Okay, yes. so I walked there. That was where I did uh, the rest of my NYSC. They gave me a program to produce. Um, or, well, they allowed me to uh, produce and anchor a program for the duration. Wow. It was called so I used to get uh, my fellow coppers who were doing different things in the States to come on the program. I would interview them, you know, and it was, it was fun. So um, when I finished that, I just thought, okay, this is something that I really enjoy doing. It was stressful, but I didn't see it as stress. You know, I, sometimes I used to do the morning sheet, which um, meant that I had to be at the station at 4 a.m. Uh, you know, I had to be at the station before 4 a.m. because the station was going to open at 4 a.m. You know, no other copper that I knew was working those kind of hours. Wow. That's it was fun, you know. <laughs> I was enjoying it. So I thought, okay, you know what? I should, you know, look for a job in this line. So when I finished NYSE, I got a job with Channels Television. Um, and basically that set me off the path of media and marketing communications. After channels, I moved to the corporate side of things. I started to work in corporate communications, marketing communications, and that's just literally how my journey started. Oh, wow. Long walk. started from the ground, like you started from the roots. Like Complete ground, I tell you. No, that's Complete very ground. inspiring because <laughs> most people would really find that way through that path. Like most people that go into journalism, they actually remain in journalism. They don't pivot, they don't move, um, they don't. So that's, that's quite inspiring. Um, so what's your background? Like in terms of what did you study in school? Okay, so, um, well, I have a couple of degrees. Uh, the first one is... Uh, <laughs> okay. The first one is um, linguistics. Uh, so that, that sort of, you know, gave me a, a, a soft landing in broadcasting because um, back then, I don't know if, it's, if it has changed now, but back then, you know, to um, prove your mettle as a broadcaster, you had to go to FRCN training school. I think learn. they still do that. They actually still do. Okay, okay. To learn the basics of enunciation and all of that. And I worked at channels that, you know, use a, pro a very, very professional station. It's owned by a professional. You know, John Mama used to be a newscaster himself and his wife. So he didn't brook nonsense. You know, you, did, you couldn't come on air and read the news with some kind of Yoruba accent or Igbo accent or he would yank <laughs> you on air. You know, so um, I, didn't, I didn't have to go to FRCN training school because I had already done all those phonology courses at phonetics and all that in uni as part of my linguistics degree. So that helps me there in that wise. My second degree is in marketing communications, actually. Okay. At that point, I had then worked a few years. I had moved from broadcasting to corporate comms. So I sort of, you know, you know had a fair idea of how I wanted to continue to evolve and what I wanted to do to, you know, uh, help ground myself in the line I wanted to go in. Okay. So, yes, I, I have a couple of degrees. I have a few other certifications as well. I'm also, <laughs> I'm also project, I'm, I'm, I'm a certified project management professional. PNP, oh, wow. So if you think. Oh, wow. 
<laughs> you are an all-rounder. But that's very inspiring. Yeah, I try a little bit. <laughs> so, so can you tell us about your journey to mm. how you have been um, an African woman in marketing? So let's focus more on how... So this is post NYSC when you focused on marketing communications, probably post masters as well. A lot of the experience um, in the marketing space as an African woman. Yeah. So um, sorry, what's the question again? I think I. I, so, I kinda... Okay, so tell us about your journey in terms of yes, in as an African woman in marketing. So this is probably where you have probably you've had like a lot of experience. So this would be postmasters, um, the managerial roles you've had, the companies you've led, marketing, the brands, the products, everything. So I, I think for me, um, what I would say sort of um, drove my journey and continues to drive it is a, a very strong sense of self and uh, a, a, a strong desire to be at the cutting edge of, of the field that I'm in. You know, that's what drives uh, basically all of the uh, career decisions that I take and that I haven't taken in, in, in a number of years. And I've not always had that. You know, I don't think anyone right out of the bat or right... Some people have that. I, I, I didn't have... When I finished university, I didn't know what exactly I wanted to do either. So it took a while to get to that point. But when I did get it, uh, uh, I started to, you know, sort of think of what niche area I could go in. I, I don't like to do what most people are doing. That's what drives my path in marketing communications. I don't like to... Um, I, I don't like mass market. I don't know if you've read the book, Blue uh, blue ocean strategy. I'm a I'm a blue ocean strategy. Yes. Do you like uh, to stand out? Do you like to stand yeah, out? Yeah, because I, I think it helps. It helps you move faster, and it helps you move more strategically than um, fighting for two, three job openings with two thousand other people. You know, I like to look for areas in which um, you can thrive. You know, I can thrive. You know, I like to look for niches that are not yet well known. Uh, and that are opportunity sort of verticals that will grow, you know. So, uh, and that involves a lot of self-education. It involves uh, a lot of uh, self-awareness. It involves a lot of being able to analyze trends and know where marketing communications is going, you know. So that, that's what has driven my, my journey in the last several years. So when I went to the UK for my master's, my, my, my degree, my, my master's is in marketing and communication and international marketing, which is supposed to be, you know, the regular marketing communications. But I was looking for uh, a niche that um, was already sort of established in the UK, but wasn't too established in Nigeria, uh, that I could go work in knowing that if I could acquire the work experience in that space, by the time um, uh, it starts to open up in Nigeria, there won't be too many people who have that skill set. So, you know, I would be able to uh, move a lot uh, uh, faster in the industry. And I, I, I'd also, uh, I also looked at what I loved to do a lot. I know that I love technology. I love the internet. Even back when it was just dial-up internet and it wasn't yeah. really widespread and all that. So I, I looked at the internet marketing industry in the UK and I saw that was a niche then. Now I would say it, has, it is starting to become a bit of a commodity. 
but you know, 10 years ago, nine years ago, it wasn't at all. Not in, even in Europe, much less Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So I chose that as a niche I wanted to go into. I went to, I looked for internships in it. Uh, I did uh, a few internships, about three of them. Off the back of one of them, I got a full-time job in an e-commerce company in the UK. And I just ran with that. <laughs> so after after that, I came back to Nigeria, and just like I, you know, I had sort of foreseen the trend, and um, it evolved the way I had foreseen it. You know, uh, so I came back to Nigeria at the point when the likes of when e-commerce was just starting to take off in the country, when uh, the financial industry was just starting to. Um, uh, scale up on internet banking and uh, having a, um, you know a presence on social media where people were just starting to try and understand social media you know so I was I was one of the people who came back who who already had work experience in that field and when they were looking for people to come help them help figure it out do you see what I mean so yeah. that helped me uh, uh, go into a bank one of the top banks in Nigeria to lead their social media team uh, from there, I uh, moved on to mobile uh, communications, moved on to e-commerce, moved on to you know digital media, wow. and the rest <laughs> as they say. <laughs> okay, that's a very interesting journey. Um, it's very interesting because what you said about how you pick your niche—you don't go into chasing what everybody's chasing. Um, that really tells a lot about how you have been able to grow and how successful your path has been as well, because you've been able to make impacts in those spaces where you've actually been able to key in, um, understanding the trends. So that's very, very interesting. So as a marketeer, what would you say your major strength is? I would say technology. Okay, what part of technology? Uh, 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 well, digital products, consumer technology, and uh, I, and maybe I should explain a bit more what I mean by yes, that. Um, in in business in general, and this is not this is not uh, restricted to Nigeria, ev- everywhere else in the world. What you usually find is people who understand the business side of things, or people who understand the technology side of things or the infrastructure side of things. Uh, those two things, they don't usually cross. Do you understand what I mean? Yes. It, you, you would usually find um, that, you know, uh, there's this engineer or this software developer or this, you know, fill in the gap who is extremely skilled in his craft. You know, he can sit down and code the best kind of digital product or app or whatever, whatever, whatever. On the flip side, you would most likely, you would, you know, you wouldn't be hard pressed to find someone who understands business strategy or uh, uh, finance or all of that. But it's not very often that you would find someone who understands the business part of it and who also understands the technology part of it, who understands the, the limitations of software development, you know, such that you can say, okay, this is what we want to do as a business, but within the limits of HTML or CSS or JavaScript or, or whatever, this is not possible. Do you understand? This is what is possible. And then uh, being able to translate that business requirement in technical terms 
to the technical person or the technical team such that they can create it and understand why they are creating it this way, why they are putting the button here and not here, or why they are uh, including the functionality to enable cons customers check out offline. Do you yes. understand? Yes. Uh, yes. Opposed to because you know you on the business side understand that look we are in a market where data is, is is expensive and people are data sensitive so we need to add that feature into this product so that we can uh, increase customer acquisition. So that I don't know if I should call it a gray area because it's not a gray I think area. it's best of both worlds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it. you sit in between understanding the knowledge from consumers, also understanding the technicalities that takes that takes um, that needs to be implemented, and that's exactly. more like and marrying the two, the you know? two together. The two, yeah. So yeah. I, I would say for me. I'll say that that's, that's my greatest... Uh... Well, that's a very unique strength because, um, <laughs> like you said, most times you see a lot of people are very techie these days, but people mm -hmm. don't know how to translate that in terms of business, um, communicate it in terms of digital products, how to create products that sort of enrich or target a specific market, um, how they can fully understand it and utilize it. So that's a very unique um, strength. So um, the next question is around... What would you say qualifies one as a product marketer? I think you might have answered this. And is this different from being a marketer? So what qualifies uh, you to be a product marketer? And, what's, and how is it different from being just a regular marketer, like a marketing? I'd like, to, uh, I'd like to answer that from the second branch of the question. Like, is it different okay. from being a marketer? Yes. Uh, and, 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 uh, uh, I'll answer it by painting this, uh, by sharing this analogy. It's like um, you have a chemical engineer, yeah, and you have a petroleum engineer, and you have a, you know, what else? So many different engineering streams. And then you ask, is it different from being an engineer? You know, it's the same. Electric, electrical, electronic, electrical, electronic engineer. Yeah, exactly. If you're an electrical electronics engineer, you're, you're an engineer. If you're a chemical engineer, you're an engineer. If you're Civil engineer, you are still an engineer, you know, so a product marketer is still a marketer. You are a marketer, you know, uh, it's just that you have a particular skill set that um, distinguishes you from, say, um, an advertising uh, uh, professional or a public relations professional. All of that still falls under the umbrella of marketing communications, but they are just, uh, you know. It's just targeted to a certain niche industry. Yeah, so um, to now answer the first part of, of the question, what qualifies you to be a product marketer? I would say, first of all, you need to have a, a keen understanding of the product and you have to have a keen understanding of the consumer. Those two things, without that, you, can't, you cannot achieve any measure of success as, as a product marketer. You need to understand the product and you need to understand the consumer. And you need to understand both so well that you can say and advise the business if there is no product market fit. You know, you need to understand both so well that you can say, forget it, this product is dead on arrival. Uh, not for this market, not for this group of consumers. It's, it, it, doesn't, it doesn't solve any problem for them, you know? Or it does solve a problem. This is the product market fit. And these are the features that speak to this 
market the most. These are, these are the product features that are most relatable to this market. So these are the product features that we should communicate. This, 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 this is what we should highlight in our communication materials, uh, in all our you know, go-to-market strategy and all of that. So a keen understanding of the product and a keen understanding of the consumer. That's what you need. Okay, that's really adds up. Um, but definitely you, to be a product marketer, you still have to be a marketer. You are a marketer. <laughs> yes, yes. So you still have the experience. You still need the marketing communications experience, the digital marketing yes. knowledge, everything. And I, 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 need to, I need to clarify because I know that people tend to mix this up a lot. There is a difference between product management and, and product marketing. Yes, yes. There are two different things. There are two different things. Yeah. A, a product manager does not necessarily have to know the basics of marketing communications because he or she is not bringing the product to market. He or she is just working with the uh, tech team, the engineering team, the dev team to ensure that the product requirements that he or she has received is uh, communicated properly to them and he or she oversees the iteration of that product from ideation to completion. When the product is now complete, the product manager hands it over to the product marketer, who then takes it to the market. That's In very, some cases, very, <laughs> that's, that's like proper, proper clear. <laughs> no, but that's, that's really it because most people don't understand the difference. Yeah. Um, I think my, one of the major challenges that I would say that I can recall starting in marketing was mostly how in Nigeria or in Africa, everybody that was in a bank that was doing relationship manager was considered as a marketer. And then when you tell people that, oh no, this is what I do, marketing. So they're like, eh, so you can open an account for me. And you're like, no, no, that's not what I do. And having to define what it takes, establishing that, that um, knowledge for people Trust yeah. me, I feel like there's still that gap because what is more popular? Yeah, yeah, there's still that gap because there's still the legacy um, sort of knowledge of it. I would say at a time in Nigeria, say like 13, 14 years ago, maybe even much longer than that, you know, um, the only understanding, if you say marketing communications in Nigeria, people will just say advertising. So, Advertising. Yes, advertising. And if they marketing, they just say sales. Sales. <laughs> they don't even know it as sales. They just say, oh, don't worry, it's bank. I, I know what it is. Like, yeah, exactly. That now has to educate people <laughs> and tell them the difference. So this one is very clear. Okay, so <laughs> moving on to the next question. Um, what would you say has prepared you the most for your current role um, as a product marketing Um um, marketing professional? Um, hmm. Once again, I would say technology. <laughs> <laughs> I would say technology because in the last uh, 10, 11 years or so, I've worked in technology-related roles. So even, even though I've worked in marketing all the while and I still work in marketing now, they've, they've, it's been marketing in either technology companies or technology enabled businesses or, you know, things like that. And uh, I would say that in itself, you know, exposed me a lot to different kinds of 
um, consumer products and different stages in the product life cycle, you know, that helped me to understand uh, the nuances of, you know, product development and product marketing and customer acquisition for the products and even the um, backlash that you can, you know, experience sometimes if there's a mismatch between your messaging and the customer experience, you know, with the products. Do you see what I mean? So yeah. uh, I, I would say just having that work experience uh, in many different capacities, in many different industries, you know, uh, helped prepare me for, for my current role. Okay, great. I would hand over to Oni from here. All right. Thank you, Olamide. Uh, thank you, Modupe. It's been a very exciting session. And so we are getting to the part where so we've done all the professional, technical <laughs> talk, right? And everybody is gingered. So now, you know, we, hey, Mwipa works in Canada. It's like a dream for so many, like the average Nigerian, right? And I'm sure we want to know, like, um, so what's different? Being a marketing professional in Nigeria, is it any different from being a marketing professional in Canada? Um, th thank you very much for that question, actually. I've been looking forward to, <laughs> you know, being able to answer that question. And uh, it, it goes back to um, something Lamia and I just uh, um, touched on in, in the, you know, immediate past question. The, the major difference that I would say is the fact that there's a lot of specialization here. And maybe that's how it should be. You know, maybe uh, we've just maybe uh, bastardized it a bit <laughs> in our in our own you know uh, market, or maybe it's just the dynamics of our market is different from here. Uh, back in Nigeria, uh, it's there's a lot of generalization. So what we have mostly as marketing professionals are usually um, marketing generalists. So you as a marketing professional in Nigeria, you are, you, 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 you are most likely also responsible for your offline marketing, you are responsible for your OOH, you are responsible for your media buying, you are responsible for your uh, public relations, damage control, brand management, you are, you are responsible for all of that usually in Nigeria. That one person or that one team. Here, it, it, it even confuses people, you know, and I think one of the reasons why I feel this is a very important question is I think this is this is probably part of the reason why when people come here they sometimes struggle before they get a job because when a recruiter looks at your CV and sees that you've done this you've done that you've done PR you've done this the recruiter just gets confused and doesn't know where to place you know so um, uh, they then start to ask you questions like okay so what is your specialty what is your yeah either a brand manager or a product marketer, uh, do you understand what I mean? It's, it's a lot more specialized here than uh, the way we do it back home. I'll say that's the biggest difference. All right, uh, that's really exciting to know. So we want to know, what do you think, right? Uh, and what has worked for you? So which do you think is better to have the certification or the experience? So uh, I remember there was a conversation that happened like some days ago and it's like, so do you advise that the average like marketing professional comes out of schools, go goes for the MSc, goes for all of the professional certificates. Just, you know, now there, there are so many certificates these days or just dig your hands in and get the experience even when you don't have a certificate. So which do you think is more, I know we know both are important, but 
which do you think is more important? My, my response might be a bit controversial. So let me just put it out here first that I myself, I have a lot of certifications. I, in fact, only recently, like a few months back, I just got the HubSpot um, certified content marketing, blah, 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 blah. I have a lot of certifications. But I do not think that certifications hold water if you do not have experience. Period, point blank. If you do not, you can go and do, and I also did it in the past. I had the GAIQ, Google Analytics Individual Qualification. Uh, I had the Google AdWords, you know, name it. All those certifications, I've done them in the past. Some I, I didn't even bother to renew. Because the truth is, when you move from organization to organization, you will find that their own technology stack. If you're a digital marketer, marketer for instance, you will find that their own technology stack is, is different from uh, what you are used to. For instance, in North America, a lot of the um, softwares and all of that that we use that I am used to in Europe and Africa, they don't, they, they've never even heard of it here. You know, I remember back then when I was in Congo, we used to use Emasis, which was a very, very robust email automation software. They've never heard of it here. They have their own email automation software. We used to use Recruitio for remarketing in Nigeria. They've never heard of it here. They use something else. Do you see what I mean? So if you focus on those certifications, those certifications are tied to a particular thing. So you do your Facebook blueprint uh, um, certification. That's for Facebook. You come here to an organization that only does Amazon ads. Now, if you don't have the experience that is uh, transferable, you know, if you don't know the basics, the mechanics of, okay, in digital marketing or in, in digital advertising, this is what works. You know, these are your metrics. This is how CPM works. This is how uh, retargeting works. This is how all of that. You will not be able to pivot from that Facebook certification to whatever. Do you see what I mean? So certifications are good. Uh, they help add color to your CV. But if you do not have the experience, they won't take you far. So I would place much more premium on gaining the experience and just adding the certification to it just because, you know, just because you want to finesse your CV, that's it. But the, yeah, the, the I get it. Is more, more important. All right, so we are almost rounding up. So very, one last question before the last question. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> so you've uh, had so, uh, so much experience in marketing. So your all-time favorite campaign, marketing campaign in Nigeria and out of Nigeria. So yeah, that's it. All-time favorite. Um, you know what? My all-time favorite in Nigeria is the NSAS campaign right now. Wow. <laughs> that hashtag, as at yesterday, I haven't looked at it today, but as at yesterday, that hashtag was trending in Canada. It was trending number one in Canada. It was trending in the UK. It was trending in Nigeria. It was trending all over. It had garnered millions and millions of tweets organically. I don't know of any brand that can, you know, uh, push that and get that much tra traction in such a short period of time. So in Nigeria, that's my favorite campaign right now. I know it's not tied to a particular brand or a particular organization. It's a socially conscious spontaneous kind of thing um so that's my that that's my favorite uh foreign uh campaign i would say nike's black lives matter campaign <laughs> you guys would say i, I seem to be uh, a protest fan <laughs> <laughs> not necessarily see I've, I've i've worked with brands where we spend and let me know millions and millions and millions on 
on campaigns and all that. And I'm also a very uh, metrics-driven kind of marketing professional. So I look at the numbers a lot. And, you know, I, I mentioned the other time that I did the Google Analytics individual qualification certification. So yeah, I'm very metrics-driven. So I just look at the numbers. And these campaigns, the numbers that they garner in the period of time that they garner it is, is just incredible. It's just incredible. So there must be something that they are doing right that we as marketers, um, professional marketers who do brand campaigns at all need to learn from and incorporate into our own campaign so that we can achieve that level of, um, you know, traction. Do you understand what I mean? There must be, because you know, at the end of the day, if they are putting together a, a, a marketing campaign beyond the money that you are putting, beyond the marketing budget that you are deploying, uh, 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 you know, on it, you are also looking for resonance. You know, resonance is a very key factor in any marketing campaign. And uh, sometimes because we just throw a lot of money at it and all that, and also in Nigeria, um, not all companies are numbers driven, you know, uh, so you just say, okay, we spent so amount, yes, so amount, and that's it. But if you are, if you are number driven and you have to report on ROI on your advertising campaign or your marketing communications campaign, resonance will be a, 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 a metric that is very important to you. Um, so if some campaigns are achieving that resonance organically, then you should pay attention to it. You should pay very close attention to it so that you can see what elements of those campaigns seem to be resonating with people so much. And then you can take that, uh, learn from that, incorporate that into your own uh, brand campaign and, and roll out with it. So for me, that's, that's what I look out for in campaigns. And so far, it just, it's just a coincidence that it's this, um, you know, is this, socially conscious campaigns that have stood out for me and it also it also tells you uh the state of mind of the consumers that you're marketing to as well it tells you uh what they are interested in and as a marketer what your consumers are interested in should be of utmost concern to you i totally agree because as we we're talking i just realized that yeah, we might say, oh, maybe do it because they are talking about social costs, but maybe that is what is important to your consumer nowadays. That is the, the audience you're facing are now aware. You are, you're dealing with, with an audience that is very aware, very self-conscious, right? They want to fight anything that seems like a limit and anything. So if that is the way to go, well, it's not like you have so much of a choice, right? So if, if that's the consumer you are talking to and they've already, so you don't, it's, it's almost like it, that is your research right there. So you know all that money that we spend as marketers, hiring research agencies, doing qualitative, whatever, whatever, and then using that, uh, the outcome of that research to craft uh, marketing campaigns. That is your research right there in front of your eyes on Twitter, on whatever, you know, that tells you where, uh, you know, your consumer behavior, that is it, that's your consumer behavior right there. So when you now want to craft um, a, a campaign or some communication material later on down the line, you already know what the consumer behavior is. So you already know how to speak to that consumer and uh, uh, what to tell them that would make them, that would encourage or persuade them to take the action that you want them to take. For me, that's, 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 fantastic research for every marketer out there. And I, I agree with you. I'm sure Lamy does too. <laughs> so 
um, one of our hosts said something. She said, marketeers need to learn how to market themselves too. And, um, you know, the marketing profession, like Kian Olamide had rightly said, what the average Nigerian knows as marketing is not what it is, right? And even outside that, it's, um, and now, especially as women, you know, this is a women-centric platform. It is, a, there's a part of it that marketeers are not even well recognized for who they are. And then the women in marketing are not even given as much recognition and go to the average um, industry, the average organization, they have women, like the marketing department is led by women, but yet we don't, we don't feel there's enough promotion of self, which positions us in the, where we should be, right? So as someone who has worked ac across industries, who has positioned herself well to be sought after, to get jobs, how do you think the, the woman the should market herself? Like we market too many products and services. Like how do we market us and um, put ourselves out there, given all the restrictions that the average woman has, of course. So. Um, well, to start with, I wasn't aware that me, I had positioned myself well. Eh. <laughs> it's just not that they're telling me. <laughs> I didn't know that I had done any position, you know. But on a, on a more serious note, yeah, uh, I, I, I think that the art of storytelling is not given as much prominence um, uh, as it should among us as marketers and among uh, ourselves as, as women. We don't tell our stories well enough. And you see, the truth is you said something about um, they're not being given recognition. See, nobody gives you jack in this life. You need to go out and get it. That's how it is. You know, you need to, um, for instance, I was, I was part of a, a, a project last year, Tech Women in Lagos project that Tech Cabal did. And I was just talking to the organizers at some point during the project. And they said it, it was difficult for them to put together um, you know, the, a list of 50 women who were, you know, doing well in, in technology in, in, in that space in Nigeria. And that, that was a very sad narrative for me. It was, it was, I mean, it was a great project. They did extremely well. But I know some very talented, very, um, you know, very brilliant female engineers in the country. Some of them, you know, have started to leave now uh, that I have worked with who, People don't know about because they don't put themselves out there. So storytelling is, is <laughs> I'm looking for the right adjective with which to describe it. Storytelling is vital for you. And, and if you look at it, that is what we are doing. That's what all of us are doing. Storytelling is what you do with your CV. Storytelling is what you do when you go for an interview. Storytelling is what you do when you are, you, are, you are creating a campaign for your products, you know, that you are being paid to, uh, you know, that you are earning the salary for, you know, with the company. You know, storytelling is what we do. We just forget to turn that inwards on ourselves and tell our stories well. Sometimes we tell it, but we don't tell it well. And we don't tell it clearly. We don't tell it in a way that lets people understand. And, and this is different from boasting. This is different from, um, you know, just noise making. Do you see what I mean? Just that ability to be able to tell your story and tell it clearly and let people understand who you are 
where you are, what you want and what you're interested in. I, I, I think that's the, that's the thing that is sort of missing. And uh, that's what we need to work a lot more. I was talking to someone if, uh, uh, not too long ago, one of my mentors, and he said something to me that, uh, you know, no one had told me before, but I found very valuable. He said, when you go for interviews, usually what we do is when they tell you, okay, tell me about yourself, you start to uh, list all the things that you've done, your degrees, all of that. He said, but people don't realize that that is, you're telling them what you've done in the past, not necessarily what you're interested in right now and what you want to do. I don't know if you understand the message in that statement. Yeah, I know. And that's why you're not necessarily saying, hi, my name is Lamide. Uh, I'm very passionate about women in marketing and, uh, you know, whatever, you know, uh, you, when you are interviewing, the story you are telling should be a forward-looking story. But 90% of yeah. the time, the story we tell is where we are coming from. So, you know, this is very interesting because um, they say as business leaders, um, we're not just even saying women alone. As business leaders, you have to be able to sell yourself in a way that when you speak, people can envision where you want your path. So if, if I say, and my typical introduction, um, which I've actually been doing a lot lately, would go around talking about um, my experience, focus on my background, um, so you understand my journey, um, my background, the type of how I was raised, um, why I'm very keen on technology, transformation, marketing, helping women, very, very key. Um, how I was raised by a single mother, all of those things and what I want to do in the future. So I want to transition from this and this. Now, I'm sure you can relate to this because even living in Nigeria, you have to be able to tell those type of stories. You can't just say, I'm a marketer. So, so what else? Like what makes you stand out? What is your story? Because if you cannot sell your story as a business leader, you are not really a leader. You are more like a follower. Exactly. And you know why this is very important? And I, you know, I really want us to shine the spotlight on this. People, I, I've been asked, so I moved from broadcasting into digital marketing, into banking, into uh, e-commerce, into, you know, all those different things. I, I, I think I, I do career pivots all the time. <laughs> People say they do career pivots like once or twice in their lives. I do it all the time. Do you understand? Like, because I don't want to be in a commodity, I don't want to be in a commoditized space. I don't, I don't know if you understand what I mean. I don't want to be in a place where there are so many other people there. So if you don't, if they don't give you the job, they can easily get another person. So I'm always pivoting. And the reason why I'm able to do that is because I'm able to distill what I want to do. And sometimes what I want to do is completely different from what I have done before. And you see, some people get this a lot. Some people are able to do this a lot. And th that's why you look at some people, they moved from being um, uh, uh, finance manager, for instance. They became GM operations. From there, they moved to COO. So, do you understand? People, some people do it a lot because they know how to. All you need to... <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to prolong this too much, but for people who want to sell themselves or, or who feel they're not being 
properly recognized or they're not being, you know, people aren't seeing the value that they are adding. First of all, you yourself need to understand the value that you are adding. You need to know the value. You'll be surprised at how few people actually sit themselves down and, and distill in bullet points the value that they've added to the organization that they are, that they are working at. You'll be surprised. You need to be able to distill the value that you've brought. How much have you helped the company to save? How, you know, what's the value of the projects that you've done? What, how, what does it translate to in business terms? How has it impacted the company's bottom line? What was your role in that impact? If you weren't there, what would the company have lost? You need to be able to articulate all these things in your own head. Then you need to be able to tell that story. Do you understand? You need to be able to tell it in whatever way, on your LinkedIn profile, in your CV, in your conversations with people, both within and outside that organization. You need to be able to tell that story. And you need to also be clear. If in the job that you are doing or the career that you are in, if you cannot see yourself five years out, 10 years out, there's a problem. And nobody can help you with that. There's a problem. If you can, you need to be able to look ahead into the future and see where this is taking you to. The role that you're in right now, so I'm a marketing manager, brand XYZ in so-so company. Are you going to, do you want to sit there for 10 years or do you have a plan? What is your plan? Where do you want to get to in five years? How is this fitting into that? What is the story? What's the trajectory? Once you clarify that with yourself, you will be able to say it to other people. And once you're able to say it to other people clearly and they understand it, you're able to tell your story. One of the things that I, I encountered when I just joined, when I just came to Canada is there's something that is very popular here. It's called an elevator speech. Uh, when you go for networking events and all that, these are things that they sort of tell you about or train you on and all that. And the whole concept of an elevator speech is in one minute, if you were to run into Jeff Bezos in an elevator, for instance, you should be able to tell him in one minute what you are, uh, what you want from him, and why you want it and why he should give it to you in one minute, 60 seconds. All right. Do you want to tell, give us your own elevator speech? You never can tell. <laughs> if we could just get something Sorry, from it. Save no, it for just, our just... Instagram live. We would keep that for Instagram live. Let's do it. All right. Yes. Well, let's no just... problem. <laughs> if I tell you, that means, eh, eh, eh. You want me to tell you the secret sauce that I'm using to fill the bag? <laughs> okay, so uh, let's round off with this. So what's your favorite marketing quote or hack? That's your go-to for, you know, that's magic sentence or magic quote, like, that works every time. Be flexible. Okay. Be flexible and never stop learning. That's that's very important actually. From <laughs> even from your story, we, we see the essence of flexibility, like <laughs> moving, pivoting. Yeah, we did need you to, be have flexible. to you have to um, you have to keep yourself constantly on your toes. You don't you shouldn't wait for an organization. Well, that's just me. Uh, and it's what works for me. Uh, I guess it's also a part of, of finding out what works for you and then staying true to what works for you. What works for me is keeping myself 
by myself on my own toes and not getting comfortable. I never get comfortable anywhere I walk in. I never get comfortable. I never, I never relax and feel like, oh, this is the, you know, dream. This is the ultimate or anything like that. No, you have to, I, I, you have to see your career as your shop. Do you understand? You have to see your career as your shop. Like you opened a shop in Yaba Market or Yibo. You know, if you open a shop, you would buy goods and put in the shop. You will sell the goods and then replace them. Abby? Yes. Yeah. You would not just open the shop, put goods there and just sit down. The goods will become stale. They will spoil. Customers will not will stop coming to your shop. You have to see your career as that. Your, your, your career is your shop. It's, it's what you are selling. It's your, yeah, yeah, owing Nigeria PLC. Well, I don't know if you are also on your way to Canada. So, yeah, owing PLC, you know, or Lamide uh, Corporation, you know. So, you are 100% responsible for ensuring that owing PLC stays competitive. You are 100% responsible for ensuring that Lamide uh, Enterprises or Lamide uh, Corporation stays competitive in a constantly shifting market space. And this is why you need to be flexible. You don't just specialize in one thing and say, oh, this is my field, this is what I do, and that is it. So if the market now changes next year or in or two years' time, you will not now change with the market because that is what you do. That's what you know, you don't do anything else. Um, if you are <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> if, okay. if it's something like Kodak, Kodak, when we were growing up, Kodak was known as up until maybe the 2000s kodak was when you mention kodak you are thinking of camera you are thinking of film and all if kodak can pivot and start making covid19 drugs then what is your own excuse as oeplc that you will not you know remain flexible in a market that you know is constantly marketing as we know is today may not even exist marketing communication as we know it today may not exist in five years time it may change completely Already we are seeing AI automate so many things. In, you know, there are, there are ro robot newscasters now in Japan. Yeah, yeah. You know? There the are news. AIs that write. The writing that is sort of like our, you know, secret source that you need a human being for. There, there's AI now that, that can write articles. Very soon the AI will start writing adverts, will start writing all of that. Do you understand what I mean? So you, need to, you need to keep your eyes open <laughs> and keep learning and uh, keep reinventing yourself. That, that, that's very, very necessary and we totally agree with you. It's been a very exciting session. We want to keep the rest of the sauce, like Olamide said, till <laughs> the next session, because there will be a next session. Like we can't just end this here. But um, it's been a very interesting and enlightening one with you, uh, Modupe. Like we are so glad to have you for October. Um, uh, session of this podcast um we know questions will be coming in from people who will listen and we'll definitely share them with you thank you very much for your time thanks for spending this your your saturday with us uh, we really do appreciate it and um we look forward to another session with you enjoy sure. the rest of your day okay thank you so very much Monique.